freelance mum, supporting talented mums everywhere. The main wine that we produce at the moment is a still Pinot Noir, Rosé. The other third of my vineyard is a white grape called Saval Blanc, which at some point I'm going to use to produce a a sparkling rosé. Sparkling rosé, I know what you're thinking, it sounds delicious. And how lucky did I get managing to line up an interview with a winemaker right here in the southwest? That was Ingrid Bates, and she's the woman behind Dunleavy Wines. I caught up with her before Christmas and found out how she got started. Um, Well, I I planted the vineyard, um, so uh, it's in the Chew Valley near a village called Rington in 2008. It took me a while to find the right site and the right field, and then I arranged and organised all the planting and then had to wait for it to grow and manage it while it was growing. And was your background in a love of wine or a love of growing? No, it's quite interesting because when you look at vineyard owners, they come from a whole wide range of backgrounds, actually lots of scientists and then a lot of wine experts who have no experience with horticulture and um, and my background is a bit of horticulture and biology and I like to think I've got a lot of common sense as well but I didn't strangely actually have that much knowledge about wine I'm kind of still learning that area. Obviously there an appreciation of the growing and the soils and what goes into to make a good wine and are we capable of producing good wines in this country then? Yeah, I think we always have been. I think a lot of the press often jump on the idea that, oh, English wines are, uh, haven't weren't good in the past and now they're suddenly good. But actually, I think that's true to some extent. I think in the past, the industry was... It was just very small setups. Often people who had retired and they had a bit of money and they thought, oh, I'll, I know, I'll set up a vineyard. And they do their own winemaking and it's all kind of low-budget... Um, you know in their own garage kind of thing and obviously they're not always going to produce a great quality wine with that kind of system and what's happened is now more money is going into the industry so you're getting um, better wineries and there's better sort of education about viticulture and growing the plants and the sort of combination of those things and the um, availability of more varieties and clones that we can grow in this country all those things together have kind of led to us producing better wines in this country and then gradually we're getting really good publicity and winning competitions and more and more people are realising that English wine is actually really, really good. And so tell me about your wine. What, what wine do you have? Um, so the main wine that we produce at the moment is a still Pinot Noir, Rosé. Um, so the vineyard is, is basically a kind of a square block if you were looking down on it from above and two-thirds of that block is Pinot Noir, which is a red grape. Um, which you can use for making a variety of different types of wine and the other third of my vineyard is a white grape called Saval Blanc which at some point I'm going to use to produce a a sparkling rosé but I'm still waiting for that to come into production because they're really young plants Um, but yeah at the moment we've just been making a still Pinot Noir rosé and just been selling it in shops and restaurants around Bristol and sort of direct from our website as well And how many years have you been making the wine now? Uh, We had our first harvest uh, was in 2012 I don't know if you remember but that was I think it was actually went down as the wettest summer in history Um, so but actually the grapes we produced a tiny amount of grapes it was only our first harvest so we knew it would be a small harvest anyway Um, the grapes we produced are really lovely quality there just weren't very many of them and we produced a couple of hundred bottles and we just decided I spoke to a few other businesses in Bristol and said oh you know just to talk about marketing advice really and they said you know still you know go for it sell this wine and try and get as much marketing out of these the small number of bottles that you've got so that's what we did and that went really well and what it meant was for the following year when we started gradually increasing in our our numbers we already had you know people who had already placed orders for cases and things like that so 
people were already aware of us and um, they were waiting basically for the next release. Um, so eventually we'll be producing 5,000 bottles a year and at the moment we're kind of around the 2,000 bottles a year mark. And does it make you feel nervous as a business where we are a country where, well, obviously no one can control the climate at all, but we're so vulnerable to the climate, you know, if we were to have another washout? Yeah, it does a bit. Um, I suppose that's any... It does make you realise, actually, getting into this kind of business, you think, gosh, to be, you know, a full-time... Because my business only occupies, you know, it's a, for me, it's, it's not a full-time job, really. But um, farming is almost like gambling sometimes. Um, you, you just, you know, you're just in the lap of the gods and you don't know what might happen. But generally, if you've, with vineyards, I think if you have a decent site, you will always get a fairly decent crop. Um, so, yeah, there's no point worrying about it because there's not much you can control about the weather. So you just have to hope for the best and do the best practices you can to kind of make sure to get the most out of what you've, the area that you've got, basically. 2014, I'm just trying to remember what our summer was like. Uh, certainly from your growing point of view, how has it, how has it been? Uh, so 2012 was really, really wet and awful. Uh, 2013 was pretty good. Um, we had a very cold start and then we had a really hot, short summer. Um, so we actually got a really good harvest. Um, some people with the later ripening varieties of grapes struggled a bit because it was a very short summer. Um, but last summer, 2014... Um, this as in the one that's just finished um, has been a really good one it started quite early we had none of the cold frosts at the start of the summer which often knocks back the young plants um, and basically the whole summer was just really good and the critical period is um, flowering as well which is usually around June July time um, and the flowers are they're really tiny little things and they're wind pollinated so if it's raining during that week um, you know, they, you can imagine a w- tiny little delicate wind-pollinated flower. It was not gonna, it's not gonna set fruit very well. But this year we had a really good flowering period, so it, it all went really well. We got a really good crop. So you're looking forward now to actually turning the fruits of your labours into some good wines. Yeah. So w- we picked the grapes. Uh, I think it was the last week of September, which was really early. It was people were picking their grapes very, very early this year because it was such a good summer. Um, and we dropped them off with the winemaker, Steve, uh, who's near Glastonbury. So he's still got those in a huge... Uh, Steve the winemaker. Steve, I like that. <laughs> Steve, Steve Brooksbank. Um, but he, he's, um, he's quite a small setup, but he does. He wins a lot of international awards. Um, and he's a really lovely guy. And we get on very well. And um, I, basically, I just take the grapes up to him. He knows what I want him to do with them. And I just sort of leave that side of it to him. I, I talk to him and we talk to each other and communicate throughout the process. And then he, I get the wine back from him in April and it's all bottled uh, and finished. And then I have to do the marketing and the selling. So it's nice. So he does the middle part almost. Yeah, basically, because I think um, winemaking is a whole separate, you know, that's that's a, you know, a very uh, important part of, well, obviously, it's an important part of the process. Um, and I... I think if you do well for for one thing, if you do the growing and the winemaking, you never get any time off throughout the whole year. Whereas mm. I get a slight period of downtime in in the autumn and the winter. Um, whereas if I did the winemaking, I wouldn't get that. And to set up a winery costs about, I think it's a, in the region of sort of thirty thousand pounds. You have to have buildings and, and there's a lot of red tape involved. So I'm more than happy to get someone who's got proven track record wins all these awards um, i'm more than happy to kind of work with him and get him to do that side of it and do you think you'll ever want to actually take that that back and uh i might do at some point um because obviously it's 
it's uh that's also one of the biggest expenses as well is is uh paying the winemaker but like i say it's kind of it's sort of about your quality of life as well and i've spoken to other vineyards about it and they were saying well don't you know don't be in a rush because then basically normally you know you'll be just working flat out throughout the whole year you won't (laughs) be able to go on holiday things like that which sounds sort of silly but um when i'm just a small setup that i'm not that sort of and i've got two young children so that side of things is quite important to me as well um and i I'm just really happy working with him. He does such a brilliant job that um, I now I don't. I'm quite happy with the way things are. Really, if it's not broken. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. You've touched on a very important part that I often find myself speaking about, and that is the whole work-life balance. Being a mum and somehow this bonkers world that we that we work in and that we've created for ourselves. I mean, how do you make it work for you with two young children and running your own business? I think it's um, it's a kind of constant. Uh, balancing process and I've just had another change recently where I've got two young daughters and I was at home with the young one she's just started school and so I'm just adapting to that at the moment and I was thinking oh brilliant I have all this time but things don't ever quite turn out how you think they'll be and um, you just have to adapt constantly don't you and fit in and I think everyone's got different ideas of what they're happy with what level of time they would like to spend with their children or with their business and I think everyone's got to find their own level really um and it it takes a while to kind of work that out but yeah i basically i'm able to just work you know once my children are dropped off at school until i don't know i have to pick them up around three o'clock like most children so i fit my working hours into that um i don't really work in the evenings um but i do tend to do a little bit every day so but for me that's just perfect really so it sounds to me like a a brilliant balance you've got that one sister should be learning tips from you (laughs) it really does (laughs) yeah i think yeah sometimes i have to remind myself of that because i do work really hard during those hours i've just absolutely sort of manic cramming everything into those hours i think i'm quite good at that i'm quite good at sort of multitasking but it's only i think when you talk to other people and you and when you visit friends and you hear that they're you know commuting up to london every day and just working till really late at night and then you think oh my goodness actually i was moaning but actually you know i've actually managed to work out something that fits in quite well but uh yeah everyone's just going to find their own level of what they can tolerate really <laughs> now you've brought with you you've brought your a rucksack of, of wine so let's have a look because i think it would be incorrect to uh, to do an interview without having a look at your bottle of rosé this is lovely uh dunleavy I, I love the um the, the typeface you've gone for there and it's all in lowercase somerset england pinot noir rosé 2013 and is that is that little beetle is that your logo <laughs> that's uh, yeah it's weird actually because i was quite nervous i'd always wanted to put a beetle on there um because that was my when i was at university that was my main kind of i just loved beetles and insects i've always loved that but it, obviously most a lot of people don't and i do appreciate that um but i kind of wanted to put something a bit quirky on the label um i nearly took it off at the last minute but i worked with this lovely lady helen miller who's who does a lot of food and wine labels uh, she's got a company in bristol and she was saying no leave it on it's it's good just have to you know hold your nerve and actually i don't think anyone really notices it to be honest mm-hmm. they just don't even they don't even register it because only one or two people have ever asked me about it but um i yeah. fall into that one or two yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i really i really love it and the tip for me that's the kind of personal touch that says something about me mm-hmm. on the label um but yeah it was because the vineyard took about four years to kind of come into production i had vague ideas in my head over those four years of what i wanted on the label and i'm quite a creative person i quite like 
art and design and drawing and things like that um, so I really enjoyed that side of it but I'm not able to work the computer program so I work with Helen and we work together to, to produce that label and just wanted to it looks beautiful. It's a, it's a very sort of um, simplistic and classic and black on white, isn't it? Or white on black, rather, is the better way to describe that. Um, and then just as having a... I'm not going to try it now. We'll try it later. Mm-hmm. It's You describe this as a, a light, dry and fruity with strawberry overtones. That sounds delicious. Uh, best served, lightly chilled. So is this a, a sort of an everyday wine, a special occasion wine? How would you best describe it? Um, yeah, I, well, I'd say... an ev- well. I think it's very, very nice. Everybody seems to like it. I've been doing quite a few events recently where I stand, you know, and say, would you like to try a wine? And I do lots of samples. So I'm kind of gauging people's reactions all the time, which has been quite interesting. And you can really see that people do really love it. And there's so many people out there that don't know anything about English wines, or also a lot of men who go, oh, I don't, I don't drink rosés, I only drink reds. And then they'll try that and they'll go, well, actually, that's really nice. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just a very drinkable wine, um, but it's, it is very good quality. Um, a few experts, critics have tasted it and they've enjoyed it so all those things, you know that's all you can go on really, as long as people like I think there's a lot of pomp around wine and I really hate all of that, so I'd you know if you like it then that's great and That's I think that's what it's all about to me, but having said that I have entered it in quite I've entered it in a big competition recently and find out this week if we've won anything Oh that is exciting, yeah, yeah. we find out on Thursday, it's the International Wine Challenge and um, our winemaker has won in in that competition before so hopefully fingers crossed we'll get something but there's you know thousands of wines go into that competition from all around the world so you just have to have to wait and see really and watch this space very much and what, what's it entered for just the general wine or uh yeah i think there's just the rosé category so mm. I, I dread to think how many there are <laughs> and, and what does this retail at uh, i sell it direct for 12 pounds a bottle um, and I think in the shops it varies from around twelve fifty to around thirteen pounds. And I was guided um, on that price when I first, you know, was working out what I was going to have to charge. I, I spoke to the wine shops; they sampled it and they said, "Well, they, we think it's you know really great quality. This is what it's worth." And that's how the, the pricing has worked out. And also people don't realize i think i like to tell people this that every bottle of wine sold in this country you have to pay two pounds in duty to the government even foreign wines so when you think about that when you're in the supermarket buying a three four pound bottle of wine you're thinking right so there's two pounds duty there's probably one or two pounds gone to the wine making where's the rest you know there's Mm. i just don't understand how these some of these wines are very very cheap in the supermarket and then they're just mass produced uh, rubbish, <laughs> really. Well, it uh, gives you quite a clear indication of the quality that's gone into it, doesn't it, really? Yeah, and I think I always like to try and <laughs> educate people a little bit because people, I think often people might look at more expensive products and think, oh, you know, they, oh, that's too expensive. But I think when you understand it's genuinely priced, if you if you look into the uh, the background behind it, it's, it's always interesting to know. And where can you buy it? Is it just sold locally at the moment? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's, you can buy it online. You can buy it from our website, Dunleavy Vineyards. Um, and it's in Grape and Grind. Um, that's one of the biggest sort of outlets for it in Bristol, which is on Gloucester Road. There's two or three shops now in North Somerset selling it. The wine shop in Winscombe, Alvis Brothers Farm Shop, and the new, the story, Blagden Butchers have just started stocking it. And that's kind of different places are, are, are asking to stock it all the time. And it's in a variety of restaurants around Bristol as well. Um, and I, I've been working on that. That's my, been my main sort of thing over the last few months, trying to get it into various different restaurants around Bristol. 
and uh, I think I will with the next release that comes out next April or May we've got more more bottles so I think I will start trying to get it into some places in London as well some there's shops in Borough Market that specialise in English wine so I might try and get it into uh, those places do you have a I know a, I will I have made it moment when you know um, not not yet I don't think I, sp- I still feel like I'm at very early stages of it um, I think I'd re- my sort of dream that's always been in the back of my mind over the last few years is, is to win a really you know a silver or a gold at one of the really big competitions um, that's why yeah that's or I suppose all to get into sort of you know the national press things like that which I have done a couple of times on a small scale but that sort of thing is what I would like to achieve i think well I, i'm really looking forward to tasting this and it's very exciting to think that there is some wine that's made by a woman who, a mum a woman who lives in bristol uh, with grapes that are grown right here in in the west country and hats off to you and good luck with the the prize next week thank you thanks very much so all that's left to do and in the interest of uh, fair reporting i think it's only fit and proper that i should now try a glass of the Dunleavy Rosé and as you may have just gathered it has a cork I had to dig out my corkscrew hang on and it's going in a really beautiful strawberry colour let's have a niff I think that's the official term that the uh, wine tasters use isn't it it's really fruity smelling oh it's lovely a really lovely light fruity rosé and I'm pleased to say it did win the award isn't that fantastic up against thousands of rosés it's a really lovely Pinot Noir rosé I thoroughly recommend it there we are double thumbs up from Freelance Mum why don't you try it for yourself cheers to share your story send an email to hello at freelancemum.co.uk